0: I'm Stephen Aaron Deinhardt IV. Welcome to the Giant Lands Podcast, hosted by Amusement Sparks, with your host, Andrew Spahn.
1: Welcome to the Giant Lands Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Spahn, and with me today is the creator of Giant Lands, Stephen Dinehart fourth. How are you doing, sir? Well, yourself? I'm good. <laughs> I'm glad that it's spring. It's pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, for sure. No, it's uh, What was it? The meteorological spring began May- uh, March 1st, and uh, you know, I think it was pretty quick to, to show up here. So everything's melting. It was like 63 degrees yesterday, which is, which is plum tropical in Wisconsin?
1: No kidding, that's amazing. <laughs> Good deal, man. But yeah, last time we had you on the show, we were talking about the Kickstarter, um, and it was a, a pretty brief Kickstarter. But it's you know officially over now. How? What's your uh, debrief? How do you think it went?
0: Oh, it taught me so much. You know, um, I haven't done a Kickstarter in a long time, so uh, just you know, my my own naivety of just like jumping in there being like, Oh, I got this, no big deal and I thought, Oh man, this thing has changed into so many ways uh, expectations are different, process is different. They have a lot more tools, it's a lot more robust of a platform. Um, but you know, it went well. I, uh, you know, raised some cash to uh, help us complete the box set, uh, brought some additional talent on board with the monies I raised, got some additional interest. And I think more than anything, I, I tested the market, you know, to see if there was uh, interest uh, in this sort of a product. Um, there clearly is. So uh, that's exciting. And, you know, I, I th- it was it was challenging, you know, because at the end, the scope of what we're talking about here, which you well know, is pretty large. Um, and I tried to narrow the value offering to be, uh, you know, this is just the tabletop version, right? That's all I'm trying to sell right now. I'm not trying to sell tickets to a park. I'm not trying to sell the dream of the park. Um, and, uh, so there was a bit of pivoting on my part to, to try to find that sweet spot.
1: That's a good point. It is, it is an evolution for sure. And so where do you start, you know, stake your claim between the past and the future somewhere between there?
0: Well, and, you know, you can't please everyone. And I think I was really trying to do that. I thought, oh, I can get these old school guys interested in it and I can get this new blood interested in it. But, um, you know, I guess it's just like any leadership. You just got to kind of draw the line and say it's, it's, this is what it is. You know, take it or leave it, you know, and make your decisions because um, yeah, it can't be both. And um, I realized, like, I started getting all these uh, these strange questions from some of these guys, like, are you a social justice warrior? What are you talking about? Like, I I'm making a game. Like, And, um, you know, very quickly, if it's not... Um, this sort of conventional middle-class white boy. This might be too much for our, our podcast.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, demographics is a, a whole thing, and social kind of ambition um, as far as, you know, what you're hoping to change about the world by making your product, that's definitely an episode at some point. I don't know if it needs to be this one, but that'd be a great topic.
0: Yeah, well, even just, like, with simple things, like the concept of race are really trying to remove it uh from kind of western mythos um and do something different Uh, it's uh it's more challenging for some folks than i realize and they they get suspicious of it but um you know at the end of the day it's you know it's not really for them it's it's for kids and um it's for a new generation of gamers and the hope is yeah they can step in there and really have the opportunity to recreate the world and you know, it just is a mental exercise, really. I mean, that's, that's that's a lot of what it is for me. And that's the fun of it being in the future. And, you know, as we've talked about in past episodes, I think it's one of the reasons I love these sort of science, fantasy, and apocalyptic games uh, that I played in the past is, you know, it threw all this stuff out the window. So, you know, my friends and I could kind of make it up as we went along. And, you know, some of it was experimental, but at the end of the day, it, it raised those questions like, you know, this is why I say, "Who will you become?" You know, all all bets are off. You know, what kind of culture do you want to live in? You know, what kind of person do you want to be? Um, how do you want people to feel about the world? Um, and yeah, those are uh, these are things you can do um, in this sort of thought exercise um, that is is the setting.
1: That's really cool, and and I think it's interesting being you know a fan of of the industry and role playing in general. How much of it? is pretty direct uh, D&D-inspired fantasy. You know, there's there's all these tropes uh, and kind of expectations and rules, and everyone knows all the races, and um, while the game systems might be different, a lot of the same storytelling techniques are used um, to where it's relatively predictable. And, of course, there's big innovations. There's some games that are really really out there and really different, um, but that can be kind of difficult, I think, for some role players who, you know, as soon as you take away the orcs and elves and stuff. They're like, what? what is this? Like, I don't know. I don't have a story in my head that I'm trying to express. I think it's really liberating, but it also does kind of remove some of the crutches of that uh, kind of storytelling.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, even a simple thing like dragons. Um, I've sort of backed down on my fight against dragons. Like, I'm all about Anne McCaffrey's dragons. There are cool dragons out there, but it's been played so many times and it's all so hyper derivative i love dragons don't get me wrong but do we really need another setting with more dragons i i don't think so there's just so much fertile ground all over planet earth to harvest so you know just here in uh, wisconsin we have uh, some really strong you know they call it mississippian or uh, mound culture some ancient indigenous cultures with all kinds of myths that still exist in current indigenous cultures around here um and that stuff's a lot more exciting for me because you know not far from where i live um, is where they say the thunderbirds were born and i can go sit on the back of a bird um, that's got a 624 foot wingspan not far from my house and sure she's made out of earth but she was made, you know, 500, 1,000 years ago. Um, and is sort of about this place. And somehow it's forgotten. So part of my mission, really, with this stuff is really to help some of that stuff not be forgotten. Um, as naive as that might seem, it's, um, you know, and I don't have necessarily a lot of attachment to that culture. But none of us do. It's a, it's a heritage that we all share in and it would just be sad to lose it you know that's one of the reasons i try to tap into kind of more native american tropes rather than you know uh, uh european stuff it's sort of like giants right i mean it is a game about giants but what i'm trying to do is make it about a different sort of a giant and not the typical kind of uh, sleepy giant uh that we're so so familiar with from a lot of western storytelling
1: cool dude that is awesome i really like the the concept of getting away from those tent poles of of dragons, et cetera. And maybe you can still use them later on, but using different tent poles and inspiration and different stuff on the cover to draw people in and I think it helps to, you know, add one more option for people to figure out what kinda games they want to play and how they want to express themselves and what kind of stories they want to imagine in their heads. I, I think that's really, really fascinating
0: well think so the dragons let's say the the dragons are still there but um you know invite people to reinterpret what they might have been you know because clearly there's these large kind of serpentine beasts that are in a lot of mythologies around planet earth uh from the ages and uh rather than keep telling ourselves these sort of tolkien stories what kind of new stories can we tell you know one of the fun things i think for me about rpgs growing up and just looking at the culture still is that it's not all about whoever's author did or created the setting it's that's more of an invitation right to say hey you know well you can create your own creatures here too um, you know, why don't we uh we try to reinterpret this? I just realized I'm sitting in the squeaky chair.
1: <laughs> it's alright. <laughs> I I hope our audience will be forgiving, but uh it, it shouldn't be too bad. It's an
0: old wooden school chair, so it's it's character, you know.
1: Yeah, it adds a lot of character to the recording. <laughs> I I'm sure everyone appreciates that. Um I remember the first time I ever played Dungeons and Dragons, I was in I think 4th grade. Um but I the character I made had was really unusual, you know, I'm kind of a little imaginative kid. Um, I literally thought I was from Mars at the time, which uh, turns out it wasn't true. But um, <laughs> I literally believe that in my heart of hearts at the time. And so the character I created, you know, it, it was, you know, an adult was the, the dungeon master. And then there's a bunch of like older kids, and then a few kids my age. Um, and they all know what they're doing. They've all seen the tropes. I had never even, you know, read Lord of the Rings or anything at this point. I don't think I'd seen any work of this traditional fantasy um so my character was pretty wild like I think it was kind of inspired by Ganondorf from uh Legend of Zelda which I I was really into at the time so this really big dude he had kind of like orange skin and like I kind of went some weird crazy places with him like he's like eight feet tall and so then we start playing the game and we get into an encounter and uh you know, the, the DM is like, okay, so, you know, what does your character look like? And I basically just read it off my sheet, and everyone, like, kind of laughed at me, like, like what kind of, that's not, like, a race, that's not, that doesn't fit in our toolbox, what are you talking about, who is this kid? And, like, they kind of were like, no, you, you shouldn't have, like, yellow eyes, you have to pick, like, blue or green or brown, and I was like, isn't this, like, imaginary? Like, this isn't, I'm not, like having to buy a model kit that fits this, like, this is something I'm making up whole cloth, right? Uh, Of course, I wasn't as eloquent as, as, you know, someone in fourth grade, so I was like, oh, uh, he has green eyes (laughs) or whatever. But it was just kind of weird. Like, I had to squeeze to fit into this mold, uh, you know, as a fourth grader, which, you know, at that point, luckily, people hadn't started crushing my creativity yet. Um, (laughs) It was, you know, pretty good home life and everything. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of weird, and I think, a system like Giant Lands would be a lot more welcoming to that kind of behavior and that kind of creativity, which hopefully is more mainstream now, more popular, and I, I think that it is. I think the world we live in today is more accepting of people who are going to create their own character, who fits their own tropes. You know? yeah
0: well that's why you know i say we don't have any races in giant lands um you know i think even the concept of race is it's used in rpgs and i sort of get it but these days i think just because i've been thinking about it so much and trying to step away from it i sort of cringe at the idea i don't believe in race i don't believe there are races among men um i think there is you know one human race so we use species you know, we have different species uh in Giant Lands and certainly there's subspecies. But I mean, even looking at say Star Trek, you know, I mean I love what Roddenberry created, but um it's pretty widely accepted that uh these different uh alien species he created were, you know, interpretations of different cultures and what they thought of as races, you know, ba- back in the day. Um, you know, I come from a family that's pretty mixed uh culturally. Um and I try not to teach my kids about color. You know, I still uh, remember fondly my son coming home one day and said, "Hey, Dad, did you know there's some people that still do the the black and white thing?"
1: <laughs> That's pretty cool. Said,
0: yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's true. Some do, but I don't believe in it. And um, it I don't I understand why some people lean on it, but I find it so strange. Cause growing up, I thought I'd actually live in a time when that stuff would go away.
1: I totally thought that the end of of any possible racism was the 1990s. Uh, but then it's like, man, this stuff just keeps hanging around. It's so weird. And it
0: just gets stronger and stronger. And, um, yeah, it's, it's very strange. So maybe it's, you know, just like it going to explode and go away or something. And at the end of the day, like I just, you know, I don't think a lot of that stuff is helpful. And I personally don't want to create a fantasy, um, we're going to get deep here. I guess we're going to go there. Um, (laughs) I don't want to create a fantasy where people can have this idea that races are fighting against each other. So for me, it affects me really deeply and I don't want to create a situation where um, uh, people have a fantasy where um, there is this idea that there's some sort of competition uh, between uh, people based on, you know, not only socioeconomic, but uh, genetics um cultural backgrounds and you know for i guess for me as an american you know i was should i say a north american um yeah I'm a, i am am a mix like uh, genetically you know i i'm african i'm you know uh, a russian jew i'm german i'm a, you know a little native i'm english you know just all kinds of things so i guess i guess i'm not very asian or any asian i like to think that these little things might help us get to a place where we don't, we don't think that way. So yeah, you could be a giant. It could be a human. Um, you can be a human from a different sort of culture or tribal background, um, or create your own. And you know, if, if you are care about it, you can talk about the, the melatonin in your skin and you know, how you, how you tan or don't tan or whatever. Uh, but at the end, it's just not a point of emphasis. And, uh, it's been a, it's actually been really fun working with people like uh I had some great conversations with Larry Elmore about this um and about him trying to sneak in people of color uh into D&D early on because he looked around and it was just so white mm-hmm. um that he said shouldn't we have you know some other people here like yeah and more women and you know I don't know it's sort of this thing where you know you hear these days people say oh well we need more strong women it's like man i think Most of the women I ever came to know through role-playing games were, like, really strong women. Um, Just, like, some of the covers of my favorite Gamma World modules. Like, they have these amazing kind of Sigourney Weaver kind of alien women. Just really badass women. Um, And uh, so, yeah, I I love taking that. And I understand, you know, the need for representation. I think that's uh, an important factor to incorporate, you know, because I still, you know, I'm working with a lot of these these old guys. I have some new people coming on board that I hope sort of increase the diversity pot, you know, to bring to bring some more kind of stories into the fold. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Larry was really excited about the idea of uh, having you know more representation, you know, as he said, you know, I never judge people by their outside, you know, for me, I was always raised to judge people by who they were on the inside um and uh, i think that's uh i think that's an important lesson and and clearly as we were talking about i mean it's it's a lesson people still need to learn and um you know i don't know how much hope we have uh for older folks but uh, you know that's something to pass on to kids you know my son he likes to go around tell people he's mexican you know he is and um they say to him but you don't look like you're mexican and oh man that's uh that gets me pretty upset uh for a range of factors and uh i uh i don't want you know people thinking of my kids in that way i hate checking boxes and uh you know i know it's a sensitive subject and a lot of people really like to identify with this that or the other thing it's just you know for me too it's just not how i was raised and i'm much more interested in who people are on the inside uh than the outside that's why you know Another thing that we're doing in Giant Lands is emotions. Like let's talk about your character's emotions. Let's talk let's talk about what their triggers are. Let's talk about what they care about. You know, let's talk about um what drives them in life. And um I want it on the character sheet, you know. I want I want it to be something that that helps inform you about who they are, not just what their physical traits are and You know some some basic ability kind of things, but you know what makes them do what they do. And for for me as a role player, that's also exciting because it you know informs me about how I should make decisions and how how do I be this how do I act out this character in a way that's authentic.
1: Right, and that makes it easier as a role player too, or the storyteller to to know what your character would do in that place because you know how they'd react to this or how they feel about that. Um, what their history is with this. Like, it's all motivation, which is all really important. Whereas most character sheets are just check that, you know, are you male or female? Okay, put in your height, check which race you are. It's it's also very, very binary, very restricting in traditional role-playing games. And I know, sure, they hadn't really maybe considered what the alternatives to that were, especially the very first character sheets. But um, nowadays, there's a lot more room for, for diversity and everything can be a spectrum and you should be able to express who you are on the inside and it's not just about what you look like or how you were born uh but yeah it's more diverse.
0: Yeah, it is more diverse. I mean, I I go back and forth on whether or not I should have sex cuz that's that's a very, I mean, normal thing on, you know, character sheets from older RPGs. I've replaced it with gender and I say is that enough? And yeah, I don't care if someone decides they're a different gender later on. Um, you know, what What difference does it make? You know, they're still they're playing a character. They're playing it authentically, you know, whoever they want to be and however they want to express it. That's fine. Again, because we're also in a new world here where we don't have it. So who knows? Maybe they say, hey, I want to develop a whole tribe of people that are are totally gender fluid and they've got some new kind of gender I can't even imagine yet. Um, and they say, and it's, it's a tribe full of these kinds of people, and this is how they identify. Well, cool. We'll figure that out. Let's make believe, right?
1: Without the societal norms there, you know, restricting you or pushing you one way or the other, you can really express who you truly are. Like, I think that's a really cool kind of exciting thing about a post-apocalyptic kind of setting is nobody's going to judge you because, you know, everyone's just trying to fight for survival, basically. So you can do what you want and you can be who you are
0: yeah and you can experiment more. I know I was taught from a very early age to kind of question my sexuality and you know uh who you know who I was interested in and what I was interested in all this stuff and you know we play female characters a lot, you know, I don't think we ever uh played a lot like our sexualities were always pretty t- traditional, but still have the possibility you know just a character you play you know I saw someone else complaining about this, you know um and people saying oh well you can't play that character because you're not x y or z well no i think that's part of you know rpgs is empathy machines is that you get to step inside another character and say well how would i be if i was that way or maybe i am that way you know um and and that's okay it's a safe place to do it without a lot of real world consequences so i think i think that's an important thing to enable people to do and um yeah there's not I've had a couple people who I was talking to about it that do identify as gender fluid um, say thank you. Thank you so much because I, I get so tired of this other stuff, you know, where I have to say I'm this or I'm that and I can't just be who I am. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's what it's about. I mean, for me growing up, I mean, I didn't think of it as gender fluidity, but I'd paint my nails. I'd wear skirts to school. Um, you know, I kept my hair pretty long. I still don't think of it that way. I'd probably do a lot more of those things frankly if they are a little more socially acceptable, particularly here in the Midwest. But um, I never thought of it as anything but expressing myself.
1: And I think in a restrictive environment, that can be really thrilling to kind of push against that. Like, you know, I I remember that someone like dared me to wear fishnets to school one time like under shorts, and so I did. And I was like, this it's very liberating. It was really exciting. Uh, but I think a lot of that excitement for me was just because nobody else is going to do this. It was like kind of a scandalous thing. And it's like, should this be scandalous? Like literally they're a kind of pants. Like, can we get over ourselves and move past this? You know, and, and maybe again, if it, if we were in a less, uh, Midwestern <laughs> state or something, things would have been a little different. Um, <laughs> but it was, it feels good to kind of push back or, or like, you know, spray paint a question mark on something and be like, really are we, is this the problem here? Cause I don't think this is the problem.
0: And, you know, for me, that gets really exciting when we move into these live action experiences where, yeah, you know, you want to come you know, dress who you want to be that day. You know, I, you know, be a character and, you know, go as extreme as you want. Push it as far as you want. That's okay. Because, you know, we're non-discriminatory here. Everyone is welcome. You know, I don't want it to be too adult, but there's clearly going to be some sections where it is, does get pretty adult and, you know, it isn't necessarily for kids. I want to make it welcoming for people to kind of explore in that way. Um, that's not your typical sort of knight shining armor and uh, damsel in distress.
1: Yeah, there's so many more interesting, more nuanced, uh, more modern stories that can be told. Maybe taking some of these questions about about race or humanity or what it is to be human um, and throw those into the future a little bit more. Like, you know, what if Star Trek was created today? What kind of questions would they be asking that is, I think, the beauty of of sci-fi is that it's largely about projecting forward and, and throwing, uh, you know, these kinds of interesting social questions. It's pretty cool. Whereas I do feel like fantasy, while it is beautiful and, and tons of rich lore there, it is largely um, a series of kind of monocultures. Like all the orcs, they think the same, they act the same, they have the same kinds of jobs. It's just a kind of bunch of stereotypes, you know, like you know what an elf is going to be like. You know when a night elf walks into the bar, like what to kind of expect from that. It's it's really kind of strange in that way how limiting it is. Once you check that box for what race you are, there's going to be a lot of assumptions about you and and through something like Giant Lands, you can ask questions about that. Like, why are you assuming this? Like, just because I look this way doesn't mean I was raised in a monoculture of other people who are fitting your stereotype. You know, I could have been adopted. Uh, I could have just come from a family that maybe we look this way, but we don't necessarily act this way. Um, I don't know. There's a lot more interesting things that can happen like that. Or maybe I'm rebelling against my culture. Like, I feel like most uh, humans have at one point rebelled against themselves just for something different i don't want to look like my parents i don't want to act like my parents you know so the fantasy i feel like doesn't handle that
0: but yeah no it's for me it starts almost getting into you know the transhumanist stuff as well you know am i am i what genetically i'm predispositioned to can i modify that can i make choices about that you know it's it's sort of heavy stuff but it's exciting and i i think the important part about it is to be accepting um and to try to you know you can't throw everything out the window and obviously we're products of our culture but um you know to try to open up the doors a little bit more with it you know i think that's that's a that that's a lot more fun of a place to play together i hope we can find new places within the imagination where we can grow and expand our understanding of what it means to be human.
1: What you see Uh is another